Bibles to Isaiah chapter 66, please. And that concert, uh, that benefit tonight, you know, it's a concert, so we encourage you to come out. Um, Handsome and Gretel and um, Weak Sheep minus the band. So Marielle will be doing a lot of new songs that she's written, and so it will be a great, great time. And it's a great opportunity to, um, to give to the clinic, pregnancy uh, care clinic. You know, I, I said earlier, I, the name has changed so many times. But you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So pro-life ministry, we want to support that. Father, we pray that as we spend time in your word, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us. Father, we pray that um, we would be able to see from your word that there is nothing new under the sun, that the very things that we see happening in the world today, you told us these things would be so. And we pray, Lord, that when it's all said and done, our time this morning in your word, that our faith would be a bit stronger than it was when we arrived here. So speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you might be wondering, if, you're, if you've been coming here to Calvary, you know that we're presently going through John's gospel, and last week we began John chapter 11, and so we were looking at kind of the beginnings of Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, uh, many of us know the text, he dies, he's in the tomb for four days, Jesus arrives, he raises Lazarus from the dead, and um, that's where we would be today, if the things that happened this week had not happened. And so, because of the things that have happened this week, I really felt the need to um, kind of do a topical on a different kind of Lazarus. And that different kind of Lazarus is Israel. And so that's why I had to go to Isaiah 66. And we'll get there in just a moment. Guys, Israel, the nation of Israel. Um, a nation. A nation that began with one man. Abraham. Abram. A nation that had flourished a nation that had been blessed by God in spite of their disobedience, their rebellion, their constantly worshiping, I wanted to say everything under the sun, but I think they worshiped the sun as well. So, you know, they just were always engaged in spiritual harlotry, running after other gods. And yet, the Lord continued to bless them, to work through them. They were disciplined many times. They were corrected by other nations. You know, we see that in uh, Daniel. They were corrected by the Babylonians. The Babylonians became the uh, rod of correction for Israel among other nations. But here we are today, Israel engaged in yet another war. And... Um, and so I think there's a lot of confusion about this. I think there's a lot of confusion about Israel in general among many professing believers. And so I'm hoping to bring a little bit of clarity to maybe some of the questions that some might have. Isaiah, I had to turn to Isaiah. Did you know that Isaiah, it's been referred to as the Bible in miniature. Isaiah, it has 66 chapters. Now, of course, when Isaiah wrote Isaiah, he never 
put chapters or verses, but it just so happens that we have uh, the prophecy of Isaiah, 66 books, or 66 chapters, excuse me. We have 66 books in the Bible. We have at the end of the Bible, so Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, we see a new heaven and a new earth. You look at the, the, the end of uh, Isaiah's uh, <laughs> prophecy in Isaiah 66, verse 22, we see new heavens and a new earth. We see these similarities between the Bible as a whole and the prophecy of Isaiah in and of itself. The first chapter of Isaiah, uh, first 39 chapters, excuse me, first 39 chapters of Isaiah are similar to the first 39 books of the Bible, the Old Testament. They deal with sin, they deal with judgment. And then you see this turning point. In fact, I encourage the first service not to do it now during the service, but to take the opportunity and to look at verse 40 of Isaiah, and you see a turning point immediately. And that's what we see in the book of Isaiah, the last 27 chapters of Isaiah, like the last 27 books, we would refer to them as the New Testament. They deal with hope. They deal with salvation. They deal with the Savior. They deal with Jesus. And so we have these similarities. But if you would look with me at verse 8, it says, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Not child, but children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God? Look what it says in verse 10. It says, rejoice with Jerusalem. It's speaking to someone other than the Jews. It says, it's a call to others. Um, rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her. So Isaiah 66, it speaks of a, a nation being born in a day. And of course, this is historical for us. I mean, we, we live, you know, 2023, and, and we could look back and we could see the very day that the Lord was speaking of, and that very day happened to be May 14th, 1948. After the horrors of the Holocaust, the United Nations voted in favor for the Jewish people to go to Israel. Many of them had never been to Israel, but to go to Israel and to set up a homeland. And um, within 24 hours of Israel, you know, recognized as a Jewish state, five of Israel's neighbors, Egypt, Syria, Transjordan, Lebanon, and Iraq, invaded the new Jewish state. What was their purpose? To wipe the Jews off the map. Have we heard that before? <laughs> there seems to be a constant theme when it comes to Israel. Now, you know, guys, we can look at what's happening in Israel and we could say, well, yet another war. Isn't Israel always in war, you know? 
they always have conflicts with, uh, conflict with the people around them or in their own country. You know, the Gaza Strip is in Israel. The West Bank is in Israel. Uh, Lebanon used to be part of Israel. You know, we need to pay attention to the boundaries, to the borders of, of Israel. The sliver that Israel, the nation of Israel, has today is just that. It is a sliver of the land that was given to them uh, directly to Abram and his, his offspring. So here we have it, another war, another battle. We, last week, I woke up, many of you woke up, we, we began to kind of hear about things happening in Israel. We all heard about the mu music or the rave, the uh, little music festival that they were having in the south of Israel, young people, young people out to party and to dance and all. And from what I understand, they were gathered there as kind of a peace rally. Um, I'm sure that many of the young people, which would probably be considered more on the liberal side of things, um, would have thought that as these young members of Hamas, not knowing that they were members of Hamas, these Palestinians, were coming across the border, maybe some of them thought, oh, when they see they're young, they're like us, they look like, you know, our age, and surely they'll know that we're not against them, you know, that's our nation, that's our government, that's not us. And, and there they were, you know, slaughtered, you know. Many of them slaughtered. You hear the stories, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the different stories I have, I've, I've been listening nonstop to the account of people that were there at that festival or other locations, the kibbutz that was located in southern Israel there, uh, where they went in as well. And some of the people that were able to escape, and they just speak of the horrors of the whole thing. W would you turn to Ezekiel chapter 37? I'll give you a moment to turn there. These are books that... <laughs> Sadly, most Christians don't spend much time in Isaiah, Ezekiel. We do. We try to spend time in, in all of the books of the Bible. But the Lord spoke through Isaiah the prophet. He spoke of something that was yet future. He spoke of something that no doubt was probably, for the most part, meaningless to the Jews who were first hearing it. What does this mean? Can a nation be born in a day? Can, a, you know, can, can, can birth happen in a day? They're listening to this. I'm sure that it did not connect with them because they were a nation. They were a nation in rebellion, but nonetheless, they were still a nation. They had no idea what would transpire. They had no idea that in 70 AD, just as Jesus said would happen, there would be this uh, uprising of the Romans that were occupying the land. There would be the siege from General Titus and his men that they would destroy the temple of God. Jesus says not one stone will remain upon another. Again, it seems like an exaggeration. Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we'll probably understand one day. Well, they did, that generation, because not one stone remained upon another concerning the temple. We know at that time, historically speaking, that the Jews 
were spread, they were scattered throughout the land. They were leaving Jerusalem, they were leaving their homeland for their lives' sake. And history, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> history's important. History tells us that the Jews, uh, they dispersed, they went all over the world. And, and they're such a unique group of people because, you know, for nearly 1900 years, they're not in their homeland. And yet these Jewish people were able to keep their language, to keep their traditions and their understandings of, of you know, Torah. And, um, and they, they had this, this rich history that they, they valued. We know today that many of the Jewish people are secular. Uh, many of them don't even believe in God, you know. Uh, they're into all sorts of strange things. But, but um, anyway, we'll get back to that. It's not going to remain that way. But here it is, Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lord speaks through Ezekiel, and I suggest to you that he's speaking of the same thing that he was speaking of in Isaiah 66. In verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, that would be upon Ezekiel, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle or in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live and I will put sinews on you and, and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, a sudden rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, I looked, and the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, says, say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, I was, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet. And an exceedingly, as an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are, listen, these bones are the whole house of Israel. That's clear, isn't it? I mean, that's just reading the text. It's very clear who these bones represent here in the text. It, it, I'm pointing this out because for some, it's not so clear. They're not clear on this. They're not clear. Well, who do those bones represent? Have you noticed in the church, there are people who have these theories that are so outlandish, you wonder where in the world do they get them? They must have had pizza and then had a dream and came up with this, you know, weird, weird stuff. But it, but it is clear that these bones represented 
the whole, the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, whose people? I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Boy, that's pretty plain. <laughs> Therefore, you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. The Bible, you look at this and you say, this is amazing. 19, nearly 1,900 years dispersed throughout the world. There are Jews. Now, we know about Jews in Russia. We know about Jews in Africa. We've watched them in our lifetime. We've watched them uh, abort planes, jets, and fly from their given countries to Israel. We've watched it in our lifetime. There are Jews in Peru. Did you know that? There are Jews in, in, in the most unlikely places. There are Jews. And the Lord did just as he said he would do. Though they were as, as good as dead as a nation, not as a people. The people existed, but as a nation, they were as, as good as dead. But the Lord, on a day, and I suggest to you, because of the horrors of the Holocaust. Do you know there was a time during World War II where Jews, where the Germans offered to sell the Jews, I think it was a dollar or two dollars a piece, and no nation would buy them. I reminded the first service that years ago we watched a, a, a video from David Hunt, and the, the video opened up with um, a movie, a video, or a actual movie of people who lived near a concentration camp, and yet they had no idea what, had, what was going on in that concentration camp. And, and so the American soldiers made the people walk through the concentration camp. And as you watch the video, I forget what the film was called, but as you watch the video, people from the village, they're smiling and they're waving at the camera because this is a big deal. As they came out, their faces were covered. They were crying. They could not believe the horrors of, of what had taken place to human beings in that concentration camp. Now, they weren't responsible for the things. But guys, can I remind you that the church, my son said to me, Nehemiah said to me, uh, which it was an encouragement I didn't need, but I took it wholeheartedly. He said, Dad, we need to stand with Israel. We need to make sure we don't make the same mistake that many Christians made in the past. Do you hear, remember the stories, churches, as they would hear the screams of Jews as they're gathered up in the back of flatbeds or whatever, and the pastors would encourage their congregation to sing louder, so that they there, there's this, this willful ignorance of some people. They just, I don't want to think about it. It's too disturbing. Uh, you know, honey, don't worry. Where's our Jewish neighbors going? Honey, don't worry about it. They're going to a place where they could all be together. It will be better for them. 
I mean, you hear about some of these stories that go back to the time of the Holocaust. But of course, when the world became aware of the horrors of the Holocaust, it amazes me, and obviously upsets me, but it amazes me that there are idiots today who say that the Holocaust never happened. But there are fools today who say a lot of things, even though they're right in front of them, that these things do not exist. God said, you could say, it's a miracle. After 1,900 years, it's a miracle that Israel became a nation in a day. May 14, 1948, it's a miracle. But I would say, it's not a miracle. Because a miracle is usually something that you cannot explain. And we've just looked at two Old Testament scriptures where the Lord said, this is what I'm going to do. So it's not a miracle. It's, it's, it's a moment to wake up and say, you know what? God had a plan for Israel. God said that he would do these things. And we can look back from our vantage point and we can say, and he's done it. He's done it. God, God is a promise keeper. God is a covenant keeper. Um, Ezekiel, written 2,700 years ago. You look at <laughs> Ezekiel 37, and, and you can't help but think, God is showing us something because he wants to get our attention. On Sunday night, last Sunday night at our prayer meeting, so... We come together. Our prayer meeting is one of the smallest attended meetings that we have at the church. We come together. We chit-chat for a while, and then we pray. We just get into it, and we just pray. We don't necessarily take prayer requests. If we do, it's at the very beginning, and then we just kind of pray because we've realized that you could, you could uh, go a lot of places in prayer, and you could accomplish a lot of things. If you're not, you know, spending the majority of your time explaining what you need prayer for. If you just pray it out, you know, and your brothers and sisters are with you. So we prayed. The prayer meeting was over. We were sitting there still yakking it up, fellowshipping a bit. All of a sudden, we heard this loud sound from down the hallway. It sounded like a bang or something. It was just a strange sound. All of us in the room, we all looked to the hallway because it, it seemed like something was happening down the hallway. I thought someone was kind of running into the building. And so we looked that way, and then all of a sudden, immediately, there was a roll and then a roll. Of course, we had the earthquake. And, um, and it really kind of startled me. You know, we're upstairs, we're in this old building. Uh, you know, it probably doesn't take much to get this old place to roll <laughs> and then it was it was rolling it was very fast very quick but I'll tell you in that moment all of us our attention was fixed on what just happened um, I, I don't know how the other folks left the prayer meeting um, you know left the facility that night but I know for me I had this awareness that, man, things could happen so quickly. Now, I grew up in Southern California, so earthquakes were kind of a normal thing, you know. 
But I'll tell you, I don't ever remember an earthquake on Whidbey Island. We've been here for 35 years. Uh, my son reminded me that, no, there's been earthquakes. I just don't remember them. I'm getting old. But, um, but it got my attention. And as I was saying goodbye to the few people that were there at the prayer meeting, there was almost this sense of, we may see each other in heaven. You might say, oh, Dan, you're so dramatic. It was just a little, you know, four-point whatever earthquake. Well, that's right, that's right. It, it started and it ended that fast, you know. But, well, I woke up this morning. Another earthquake last week, last Sunday, as I was kind of going through a list of the headlines, and I had mentioned a major earthquake in Afghanistan. Well, this morning, it happened again in Afghanistan. So for those folks, you know, it wasn't just an in, out, you know, done, quick thing, you know. It's something that they're dealing with. Their lives, for many of them, their lives have been radically changed in a moment. And I was thinking of how uh, I think that's what the Lord is trying to do to his church, that he's trying to get our attention. We're watching the things that are transpiring. I don't think, well, obviously, you know, what is the biggest question that people were asking? People in the government, people in the states, people all over the world, they're saying, how in the world did this happen? If you've ever been to Israel, you know that Israel takes security very, very seriously. If you go to um, a, I remember being in Jerusalem in the Jewish section of the city, and we were sitting down, and there was a little kindergarten and the little kids were playing out on this little uh, pavement, you know, this cobblestone pavement thing. And uh, there was one of the teachers with the rifle over here, another teacher with the rifle over there. And I asked uh, one of the local people, I said, you know, it, it, it seems so odd for me, you know, from the States to see, um, you know, a rifle. Uh, here and the fellow said our children are very precious to us we do everything we can to protect them and that's kind of the mindset you know the mindset of the Jew is never again when a uh, man or woman goes through their boot camp and they make that trek up to Masada and they vow they take their, their vows you know never again Never again. What does that mean? At Masada, a thousand Jews went there to hide out. This is uh, Herod's fortress, you know. The Romans came. The, the people remained for quite some time watching the Romans build an embankment up Masada. They knew that time was coming. They knew that the next day they would, you know, reach the, the, the point of crossing into Masada, and everyone but three people committed suicide. They knew, they figured it'd be better to die by our own hands or by the hands of each other than by the hands of the Romans. It'd be horrific. So the Jewish soldier today, men or women, men and women, they vowed never again, never again. We're not laying down, we're not dying, we're not taking our own lives. We're fighting. And here we are. 
The thing that surprised me this week was the absolute hatred of the Jews. Now, I've known and I've said many times, there's growing anti-Semitism around the world. I would say it because I would read it. I believed what I was reading. But this week I saw it. I saw it in places like Kirkland, Washington, a wealthy community. I've seen it on the universities of the United States of America. I've seen it and heard it in Australia at the Opera House as the people were chanting, gas the Jews, gas the Jews. That's hatred. Because you know precisely what they're referring to. You say, no, wait a minute, Dan, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's another group of people that we need to consider, the Palestinians. You know, it's, 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 there's two things going on here. That, that's right, that's right, there are. And I, I think it's intriguing to me as, as a people, Israel, and if you kind of follow their history, modern history, that when they're about to go into an area, they let the people know. That seems so odd, doesn't it? We're letting our enemies know we're coming, so <laughs> you might want to get out of that town or that village or that part of the city or whatever it is. Now, we have heard the horrific stories. First couple days, everyone was reporting it. Even NBC, CBS, all of the networks were, were, were saying the same thing. Day three, people started backing off. Well, this isn't true. That's not true. Show me the proof. It didn't happen. And we're not surprised by it. I mean, I'm kind of surprised by the open hatred of young people toward the Jews. Did you see the video of the Jewish girls? I don't remember what campus they were on, but it was a university. And they were crying because pro-Palestinian people protesting, the things that they were saying about the Jews, these girls were crying. These are their classmates. That's my professor over there. That's how he feels about me because I'm a Jew? I mean, guys, you, you just... Again, we could separate ourselves and just say, yeah, you know, it must be rough for them, you know, and that's hard. But you know what we've seen thus far, and we haven't even scratched the surface, I need to speed up, is that God has a plan for Israel. God, God has a purpose for Israel. Israel dispersed throughout the world for nearly 1,900 years. He brings them back. They become a nation in a day. Immediately, immediately, they're, they're attacked by five nations around them. They're victorious. Why? Because God has a plan. God has a purpose for Israel. The picture that God gave us through uh, Ezekiel, a picture of dried bones, a valley of dried bones. All of us, we immediately, even as I'm saying this, we're all picturing those black and white photos of, of ditches filled with bones, the Holocaust. We go, oh. And this should, this should get our attention. And we should say, God knew. God knew. God could have used any illustration to speak of Israel coming alive again, being, if you will, resurrected again. 
but he chose to give us a graphic picture of a valley full of bones? It should get our attention. The hatred of the Jews, the growing hatred of the Jews. The Bible speaks of it. The Bible speaks of it in a number of places. But let me give you one example, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3. It shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples, all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Do you know, there's coming a time during the tribulation when all nations of the world will come against Israel, the Jews. Now, I left out a verse, didn't I, when I was reading Ezekiel, and the verse is verse 14, 37, 14, where the Lord says, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place, in you, uh, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. I suggest to you that this is yet to be fulfilled. Israel, they're gathered back in their homeland. Jews from all over the world have gone to Israel to live. That's their homeland. There's conflict in Israel because of the different peoples that have come back to Israel. You know, they're not all one big happy family. <laughs> There's a lot of conflict between all of these folks moving to Israel. But here's the deal. Jesus... The Messiah, Jesus, Israel's Messiah, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. His own rejected him. As a nation, they did not believe in him. Remember when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem? It says that he wept. And that word used for wept, it's not a quiet you know, just tears flowing down his eyes. It's a wailing. That's what the world means. Uh, the word means to wail. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you knew the day of your visitation. I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But now, remember, but now, and he speaks of the destruction that would come. Israel, they're secular for the most point. I saw a video last night before going to bed. Orthodox Jews, you know, there are many sects of Orthodox Jews. It was the Orthodox Jews that wear the really funny, it looks like a lampshade. It's really kind of furry and round. And they had, they had signs on the men and the children, the little boys, uh, against the occupation of Israel. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Do you guys know that if you were... <laughs> Standing there at the open fence of, of, of Palestine, you know, when this would happen, you guys would be the first to go. So there's confusion in everything by everyone, it seems. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Lord will reveal himself. This is part of his plan to Israel. Romans chapter 11. You could turn there if you'd like. I'm going to just read because I'm, I, I can't believe I'm almost out of time, but Romans chapter 11, verse 11. I say then, have they, that they there is Israel, it's the Jews, stumbled that they should fall? Paul says, certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles, to us, non-Jews. 
Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke them to jealousy. Do you understand what he's saying? I magnify my ministry among the Gentiles. What do you mean, Paul? I share the gospel with as many Gentiles as I can so that they might come to faith in Christ, hoping to promote jealousy among my brethren. The one he said, I would, I would, I would give up my salvation for if they could be saved. I mean, this is a man who loves his own people, and yet he's called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke them to jealousy, those who are my flesh, and save some of them. For if their being cast away is a reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead. Drop down to verse 25. For I do not want you to be, I, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Well, there's a teaching there. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob or Israel. For this, listen, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. See, there are people who say, God is done with Israel. Those Christ killers. There's a lot of people that are confused about the Jews and their role and their purpose and God's plan and what he's doing. You might be surprised to read some of the things that Martin Luther, I'm not saying for the younger people, Martin Luther King, that's who you think of day off from school. I'm talking about Martin Luther, the reformer. You, you might be shocked to read some of the things that Martin Luther said about the Jews. He was supportive of them. Then he was completely against them. He had some horrific things to say about them. And I wish I could say it stopped there, that there was a greater understanding among Christians. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are many Christians that have the same attitude. What in the world? In fact, why, why are you talking about Israel? Why are you talking about the Jews on a Sunday morning? We're Christians. This is a church. We should be benefiting from, you know, the scriptures that pertain to us. These things do pertain to us. Israel will be saved. When? During... And at the end of the tribulation, they will come to believe in Jesus. Again, remember, guys, the tribulation is referred to by many titles, but one of the titles that's given to the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it shall be a time of Jacob, so Jacob being Israel. But he, Israel, shall be saved out of it. Time of Jacob's trouble. 
We, we want to insert ourselves so often in scripture that we, we cannot insert ourselves in. When Jesus says, when you see the abomination that caused desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, flee. Pray that it's not on the Sabbath. Pray. He's speaking to the Jews. Where are we going to flee? You know, why would we flee if, if, if it was speaking to us, to Christians? What does the Sabbath mean to Christians? Do you know that Christians can't even get Sabbath right? Sabbath, it's Sunday. I, I think it's Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's Sunday. No, Sabbath is Saturday. It's always been Saturday. Friday night sunset till Saturday night sunset. How do, we, how do you know that, Dan? How could he be so? I'm just simply reading the Bible. <laughs> That's what the Bible teaches. So we know what Sabbath is, but I'll tell you, for the Jews, for this to happen, for, for, for this hardship to happen on the Sabbath will be very meaningful. We heard it, many of the Jews, because they were celebrating a religious festival or a feast, and um, many of them said, my phone was shut off, because that's what they do. My phone was shut off. I um, did not know what was happening. We heard rumors of what was happening. Or one mother said, I turned my phone on because I thought maybe my son's trying to call me because she knew that her son was at the music thing, the rave. But see, the, the, it's a different world, you know, for, for them. <laughs> Many of them, even the ones that aren't religious, they still observe, uh, you know, the, the Sabbath and all of that. It becomes a cultural thing. Zechariah 12.10, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me. Look at what it says. They will look on me. The Lord is speaking. They will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. There are those who believe, there are many Christians, sadly, in our day that believe that God is done with Israel. But Romans chapter 11, verse 28 on, but concerning the election, they, Israel, the Jews, are beloved, listen, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. What fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Say, oh God, he'd given up on them. I hope not. Because are we any better than Israel? With the greater blessings that we have than Israel? We have the full canon of scripture. We have the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. Israel did not have the spirit of the living God dwelling within him. When David said, oh Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He was not being dramatic. He was, he was praying for something that was a reality. He had just watched it happen to his father-in-law, Saul. The spirit of God was removed from Saul. And a distressing spirit was given to him. We have this unique, wonderful blessing as Christians, this relationship with the Lord. 
God is not done with Israel. God keeps his promises. Here's a verse we, we, it's in the same text there in Romans chapter 11. It's a verse we use quite often, and when we use it, we always seem to use it out of context. And the verse says, the gifts and calling of God is irrevocable. Note the context. He says, for as you were once disobedient to God, yet now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have have now been disobedient that, <laughs> that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. There are Jewish people that are getting saved. There are Palestinians that are Christians. It'd be hard for a Palestinian to be a Christian. I need to give a little clarity. I, I know I'm going to go a little long here. But some people will they'll say, so I get it, Dan. As Christians, we have to be pro-Israel and anti-Palestinian. Never said that. As Christians, Bible believers, we should be pro-Israel <laughs> and we should pray for the Palestinians that need to come to faith in Christ and pray for the Jews that need to come to faith in Christ. You know, it's, it's not a, you know, either or. You know, we, we recognize that there is innocence on both sides. There will be casualties of, of, of war or terrorism, as we saw earlier last week, and it's horrific. But we need to be wise about our approach to Israel. I said it on Wednesday night, and I'll say it again today. You know, we watched <laughs> a few years ago the silly division between Christians over the COVID vaccine. Some of us, I would be in that category. I, I, I just, my convictions, I didn't want to take it, wasn't going to take it. We, we were looking at things from a biblical standpoint. Churches are closed down. We're opening up, you know, under the criticism of protesters out in front of the, our little building here. Um, we opened up because the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering together. But as some Christian brothers and sisters were saying, what would Jesus do? See, they, they make it into something that it's not. And yet there's been division. Sadly, we have people in our church that, that could not, for the year, two years, three years, visit family members because they were not vaccinated. You say, why are you bringing that up? Because we have something bigger now. So you support Israel? What kind of person are you? It's genocide. Can't you see what Israel's doing? Israel told the Palestinians, Israel told Hamas, we're not dealing with you any longer. We're dealing with you now, and this will be it. You will not, you will not be an issue for us any longer. You know what? Rather than being angry at Israel, be angry at Iran. Because 
Hamas slash the Palestinian people, many of them, not all of them, but many of them pawns in the game, are the proxy of Iran. They don't care about the Palestinians. Egypt will not allow their Arab brothers to come into their country. Why not? Jordan will not allow the Palestinians to go into their country. Why not? Many of them are Jordanians. Why not? Because they are a pawn. And the rhetoric will heat up. Look what Israel has done. Have you seen the horror of it? And you'll have Christian brothers and sisters that will say, how in the world can you stand with Israel? And let me explain what I mean by that. We don't stand with Israel because, you know, we think that Israel is perfect. Nowhere does the Bible teach that Israel is saved because they're Israel. Israel will be saved when they place their faith in Christ. But we recognize, and I was hoping that I could make this clear, that God has a plan for Israel. I, I need to wrap this up because of time, but there are those who believe that, that we've replaced Israel. I'm glad that the church has not replaced Israel. Um, but, but just thinking of this, if the church replaced Israel, why in the world is Jesus, when he comes back at his second coming, why is he coming back to Israel? If the church has replaced Israel, why doesn't Jesus come back to the Bible belt of the United States of America? It doesn't make sense. What purpose could there possibly be in Jesus returning to Israel? Unless, of course, he made a covenant with them and he promised them the millennial reign where the wolf and the lamb will lie down together and the infant will put their hand in the viper's den and not be harmed by it. These things are yet to be fulfilled and they will be fulfilled during the thousand-year reign of Christ. There are those who believe that the church has no pre Trib raptor. You say, why are you bringing that up? Because I think as Christians, this should get our attention, you know. Wow, look at this is happening. The Bible says that these things would happen. The growing hatred of Israel. All of these things. The Bible told us that these things would be before the end. Are we getting closer to the time of the Lord's return? I remember when the majority of Christians that I knew believed in the rapture of the church, and many of them believed in the pre-trip rapture of the church, meaning that the rapture, the removal of the church, would take place before the tribulation begins. The tribulation is seven years, according to Daniel chapter 9, and Revelation, and, and so on and so forth. But now there's a debate among Christians. That's another thing that's divided us. How could you believe in that? If you're going to uh, choose not to believe in the pre-trib rapture, at least be smart about it. And by that I mean this. Don't say, which I hear many Christians say, there is no rapture. There is rapture. <laughs> the snatching away. Rather, do your due diligence and study the scripture and say, I don't believe that the rapture is until the second coming. So post-trib, you know. But at least know what you're saying rather than saying something because someone's going to press you and say, but the Bible says that there will be a rapture. This is a doctrine of the Bible. We can disagree on when it's going to happen. 
I believe it will happen before the tribulation because we're not subject to the wrath of God and the tribulation is all about the wrath of God and the wrath of Satan and Antichrist and so on and so forth. I want to I wanna kind of end with this. If there is no pre-trib rapture, just to stimulate our thinking a little bit, when do we, when do we get to go to that place prepared for us by Jesus? On the night Jesus was betrayed, John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. He talks about these dwellings in the Father's house. That where I am, he doesn't say, I'm coming, you know, where I am, you, there you will be with me. When is that going to happen? Because if we take the Bible literally, and I think this is where things begin to break down as people don't want to take the Bible literally, that if we take the Bible literally, there will be the tribulation, there will be the second coming, there will be the nations of the world drawn in against Israel, and then Jesus dealing with those nations. There will be the setting up of the thousand-year reign. At the end of the thousand-year reign, there will be the great white throne judgment. At the end of the great white throne judgment, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible teaches that for the believer, that once we're with him, we'll never not be with him. So when do we get to go to that great place that Jesus talked about that he prepared for us if there is no pre-trib rapture? You say, Dan, what's the big deal? The big deal is this. People are troubled by what's happening in the world and no one can blame them. But the doctrine of the tribulation, I mean the text that we, we, we look at more than any other text 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the application of rapture is comfort. It's comfort. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And if there's anything the church needs, it's comfort. It's not pie in the sky. It's not, you know, hoping for, you know, it's not the great escape or whatever, though I do want to escape from the things that are coming. So what is the application of, of, of this? Mario, you guys could come forward. Maybe we could, because I went so long. We'll just, okay. um, what is the application of all this? Well, when I look at these things concerning Israel, it reminds me that God is faithful, that God has a plan for Israel. If he has a plan for Israel, he has a plan for the church, that we have not replaced the church. The, the church is the church. It is the body of Christ. It is the bride of Christ. It is, we have many different uh, you know, titles and, and images to, to kind of show us Israel. Israel is the wife of God. Israel is uh, the apple of his eye. Israel is the entity in which the group, the nation in which he brought his Messiah it is the nation that will be here in the last days. I know this. I can say this with great confidence. If after service I found out that it's not only Hezbollah, but it's, or uh, Hamas, it's Hezbollah, and it's Syria, and, and now Iran is on their way, I would have complete confidence saying, when the dust settles, Israel will 
will remain. Based upon what? Based upon what the Bible teaches. There has to be an Israel. There has to be an Israel. There has to be a rebuilt temple. There, if there's no rebuilt temple, there is no abomination that causes desolation. You know, the plain, simple reading of the scriptures is the best approach to the scriptures. When we try to symbolize things, there's no end to it. You know, you just keep going further and further and further out, and it's not edifying, and it's not comforting at all. What is the application? Well, Jesus says, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is near. And that's really the reason I wanted to share these things. Look up. Your redemption is nearer than when you first believed. Jesus is coming. If you haven't placed your faith in Christ, do so. This is not a game. This is not a game. This is reality. It's like the Lord so graciously, you know, he could have done it in a moment, but it's like he's going, over here, over here. Are you paying attention? Wake up, over here. Because he's so long-suffering. He doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so we need to be doing our due diligence, sharing the gospel, and we need to be praying for people that their hearts would be softened to the gospel, to the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we pray that we would fall on the right side of, uh, <laughs> of history here, you know, and we, we do pray for the things that are happening we're looking at one thing, but Lord, we know that you said there'll be wars and rumors of wars, and we know that's happening all over the world right now. But, but Lord, we do pray that we would have an answer for the critic, that we'd be able to, with soundness and biblical you know, backing, explain why we support Israel, that we don't support all their policies, we don't support everything they do, but we support the fact that they are a nation that God has called that God is going to use for his, <laughs> for his good, even though they, many of them, don't even know it themselves. Thank you for your grace upon grace. In Jesus' name.